Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. As you know, I have begun coaching for WinRate Consulting this year, and I have the pleasure of bringing on one of their their favorite clients, Mr. Jason Stanley. He's the CEO of Sundance Kitchen and Bath Exteriors. He's an expert and real estate investor, as well as he owns a golf course. That sounds like the dream. And he's an expert in leadership and automations that drive conversations. Jason, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me on, Doug. It's nice to be here. Awesome, man. Well, let's get right into it. You know, one of the things that uh, I said in the intro is that you drive conversations through automation. So how do we drive conversations using automation without losing that connection with our customers? So it was something that um, I've had set up for a while and um, never really dove deeper into it. Um, We have an automation system. We deal with a company called Hatch. Um, we've been, we've been on with them for probably three, about three years. And we use it a lot for just text communication, email communication with, um, you know, for appointment confirmations, follow up with customers, um, just in a general text platform. Right. So late last year, I started investigating, like, what could I build out for our sales team to and and Clifton was a huge like proponent and a huge like Clifton adopted Hatch early 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 on in his company when he when he owned it. So having him to talk to about this was great because he's already been there and done that. So yep. really diving deep into product specific follow up and just building value, right? So like not making it all about the sale and the close like hey, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy this? <laughs> and because that's what I used to, you know, I mean, that's what I used to think follow up was is like, hey, do you want to yeah. buy this? We're still here. And, you know, it's 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 got to have some part of that in it eventually. Um, but there's a lot of value based content that we can send to the people. Mm-hmm. Something as simple as a thank you, like thank you for having us out and thank you for considering us to even be part of your journey. And um, we, we've had I've been basically had those automations set up now for probably a month and we get great responses from the customers just in the just out of the thank you message like and originally i had that thank you message in uh our campaigns and i separated it because what we were getting is we're getting a lot of replies and it kicks them it kicks them out of the campaign they don't get any they don't get any (laughs) more so it was like all right, round one. All right, cool. We got a lot of responses. So I'm like, I had to, I broke those apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I have, you know, like if we're talking about like roofing, windows, um, decks, doors, um, I have follow up campaigns built out for like the two roofing systems we do. I have for, you know, the three windows that we'll carry um, yep. for our deck projects, our, con- our stamp concrete patio projects. So I have tailored follow-up for all that with just serving them value content. And then at the end, asking for the business, but 
you know, why that's happening. The salespeople are also following up with them in their own way. Right. Do um, you, you know, in some of the follow-up campaigns that I've built, you know, there's a cadence when the salesperson reaches out and when the automation reaches out. Do you have that kind of time? Does it a task in the automation software? Or how does that work for you guys? So Hatch will actually go in and enter them into a campaign. So basically, if we enter it as a, a demo no-sale, right, in our CRM, mm -hmm. Hatch will pick that up and say, okay, we'll enter them into that campaign. And it's it's basically three days after the appointment that it starts. Nice. So it's basically at day three after um skips skips a day then day five then it skips two days um goes to day eight and then skips two days and goes to day 11. Okay. Um, so it's a it is a little hard to figure out because um it doesn't send on the weekends mm -hmm. um we just i i can turn it on to send on the weekends we just haven't done that because i was afraid that somebody might not reply yeah. Um, one of our staff wouldn't reply. At least I know during the oh, week. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I never thought about that. And then we have, um, so we actually have that follow up campaign and then it's followed up by a rehash campaign that gets triggered off of what we, we have Salesforce, I th Improve It 360, which is a Salesforce based platform. Mm -hmm. So we create a marketing op inside of that for rehash. And those guys will stagger that out to like 15 days so that if they go through the whole demo no sale campaign and we haven't got an answer and we haven't communicated with them, it'll re-engage them again into a exactly. rehab campaign for another six um, at, a, at a whatever date that they put in there. Are you hyper-focusing on the original product they were interested in? Or at some point, if they do get that product, are you entering, into entering them into cross-sale campaigns? Yeah, so we have a um, matter of fact, we just had I just got done a sales meeting this morning and we were kind of running through that all, the automations and like what's going to happen and when. Mm -hmm. So basically, if if they've set a marketing op for themselves to follow up for rehash and it's went through the whole follow up campaign, the whole rehash follow up campaign and they haven't got any answers. Then they go in and make a new marketing op for 90 days out. And then we have a general marketing campaign. So we cycle every one of our customers every 90 days, no matter if, and I'm starting to filter them out actually by prospects and customers. So I'm messaging people differently now, okay. um, which is makes sense. huge under, it's, it's a huge undertaking to do because oh, yeah. like for 13 years, we've done it like just massive this way. Yeah. But as stay on top of come, mind. Yeah, as these people come due, I believe that your customers should be messaged a different way um, than people you've never done business for. Mm -hmm. Like in our customer messaging, like I'm starting to put in like little cues about, hey, here's our referral program. You know, if you're a referral partner of us, here's what we'll do for you. So yeah, like, yeah. obviously, I'm not probably going to do that to somebody that I've never worked for because like we haven't done <laughs> anything for them. They're not going to refer yeah. me, you know, for the most part. Um. Same thing with like review links, like we're putting in messaging in there for review links um, just to our existing customers when they goes out. So we're trying to cycle that stuff every 90 days um, and keep we're just trying to keep top of mind with people. And then, of course, we have the normal our email marketing campaigns that go out. These these things in Hatch are more text messages because I've just seen a 
I mean, I, I don't have a metric on it, but I've seen a huge, a, a way better response rate out of text message than I would out of email. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's somewhere that, that especially, you know, if we don't have a email centric business or email centric position at work, or we can actually turn it off at five and turn it off on the weekends. It's just not something that we're, we're checking, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And so, uh, yeah, text is always going to get a better response rate. Well, that's encouraging to hear because there's so many home services that are just using these snapshots and they're very simple, only assuming one thing the customer either bought or didn't. And that's it. And that's the whole campaign, you know? So it sounds like you guys, you know, and I always say with the sales program, it should be audited every 90 days and uh, quarterly, and then you should be making your adjustments. And it sounds like you guys are doing the same thing with the automations. You guys are constantly retooling them and reworking them for optimization. Well, I mean, our 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 business used to kind of operate like that, right? And it's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, they didn't buy, so like, all right, on to the next, right? Fire die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on to the next, on to the next one, right? Yeah. The the issue with that is, is that you know, you already paid for their information, or like you paid for that lead. You got you paid somewhere along the line to get that get that customer, yeah, that yeah. prospect, right? So like, I just went back to the approach of how do I lower my marketing cost? And it's, I got to cycle all the people that already have their information and keep asking them if they need our help. Yeah. I mean, and at the end of the day, like this has been, I've been steady working on this for probably two months. And it's great because, I mean, you have to adjust based on the data you get back and it's, it, it's like, man, now I got to redo that. That yeah. stinks. But like, it's for the better. You know, it's a lot of front end work. But like, once you get it tweaked and optimized to where you want it, I I can see it paying huge dividends. I mean, we're we're getting good responses because like, here's the other thing. It sucks having your salespeople follow up with somebody that's already made a decision and they just don't want to tell you. So like, we're seeing a lot of feedback, positive, like, hey, we're going to be making a decision in March or we're going to be making a decision in a week. Yeah. So now, now we know when to follow up. Like we know when to personally pick up the phone and call. And then we got ones like, Hey, you know, we, we've already hired somebody and then we have some automated responses that go back out to like, Hey, what was your deciding factor? Like, why did you pick another company? Cause like pulling that data out. I, I just want to know, right. I want to know if like, did my salesperson short the appointment? Did we not do everything we could was our price too high? And, and, you know, like it's a tough, it's a tough game to play because you, I don't care what's what, where, where you are in, in your company's evolution, right? There's mm -hmm. always going to be somebody more expensive than you. And there's always going to be somebody cheaper than you. I just, I mean, it's the way My it is. If I, I, mean, I have, part. I have three or four companies around here that if I could follow them around every day and go behind them, <laughs> That's what I would do, <laughs> you know, because they're 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 they built they build a great they they're a great company they build a great value, but they also price condition really well, um, you know, because the prices are 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 high, um, for our market you know they're top of the they're top top of the notch, but we also have guys that are competitors that are, you know, fifteen percent lower than us, which is frustrating sometimes, but I can't we can't operate our business based on what everybody else does. I mean, no, we can't. And I think that Clifton and 
Clifton probably said it best. If you don't differentiate yourself when you go through the door, you make it about price. If you don't show somebody why they should hire you and why they should hire your company, because I mean, people buy from people. They don't buy from companies most of the time. They buy from the person. And if you don't go through the door and show them why you're different and why you're a better value, irregardless what that is, um, you make it about the price all the time. And that's that's the deals you're going to lose because it's it's not always about the number. Every single time, every yep. single time. Otherwise, what are we? Why are we doing what we we're doing if we can't dictate yeah, the result? You know what I'm saying? Nope. And dictating the result is not a race at the bottom. That's just uh, it's a tough game to play. No. Okay, it, so it is. Go ahead. Yeah. In in 2010, mm-hmm. your partners left your business. You know. Yep. How did you how did you rebound from that breakup? Well, it was like essentially starting over. Um, it was a you know coming off of a 0809 in the 10, right? So like 0809 were horrible. Um, at least for at least for our business. Like, you know, I transitioned early on. We we built a lot of new construction houses. Um, I did remodeling when I was younger and when we when I when we basically created this business in 2004, new houses were booming. Like we couldn't build one and get to the end of it without having it sold right when I broke ground or before or at some point early in the process, like it was sold. Yeah. And in 07, I kind of saw that landscape changing. And I said, you know, I I think we probably better get back to the roots of remodeling because I I feel like that business is always solid more solid than building new homes mm-hmm. and um at that point lot you know like the lot prices had went my, so when i bought my lot and, and built my first house in 2001 i paid twenty nine thousand five hundred bucks for that lot in 2005 i was buying the same lots in my neighborhood for 100 grand so which is crazy staggering expensive so yeah i kind of felt like that market was getting worn out. Um, so we transitioned into home improvement. Um, we, my partners and I had a difference of how we thought things should run. And um, they wanted a hundred percent subcontract model. They didn't want any employees. And, you know, really just, we didn't agree on how things were going to continue to move forward. So um, they left and um, basically they bought me out of the other business that we were a part of, which was an electrical trades, electrical company, residential mm-hmm. electrical, um, which I loved. I love doing, by the way, I did. I did love that work. Um, but they I just assumed if we can't be partners in one business, we're probably not going to be fit to be partners in another one. Right. So they left. They bought me out of that business and we parted ways. And then I pretty much started over in 10 as far as like what I thought my vision for the company was going to be. Cause now I, I had say in like hundred percent control on what I wanted to do. Yeah. I'm not handcuffed. So starting over was tough. Cause you know, you just, I remember like, you just do what you need to do to survive. Like Mm -hmm. you, you just have to do and keep going and keep getting jobs. And I mean, at that point I was like, I was the guy that was selling the jobs. I was running the estimates. 
Um, I was doing the accounting. I was answering the phone. I was I was the carpenter with another guy putting it in. So mm-hmm. you got to magnify yourself at some point, duplicate what you know, duplicate yourself and get other people around you. And, you know, I remember hiring my first uh, my first person ever was going to do my accounting and answer the phones. So that was a relief because I think I told Luan when when she came on, I had literally uh, a staples box on the floor with all the invoices with the check stub stapled to them. Yeah, that was my filing cabinet. Like they were all in order of how I paid them. But like, I mean, there was six or eight months where I hadn't balanced the checkbook and QuickBooks because I didn't have time. I just, you know, when you're in that mode every day, like I know what's coming in and I know what's going out. Yeah. Um, so it was a relief to get somebody in there that started doing the books correctly, um, got my checkbooks balanced and <laughs> and we got got on the right track. It sounds like, uh, and you know, your, your body language a little bit, it sounds like it was a little exciting to just start from scratch, have that autonomy and know that it was all on you, you know? It was, um, because like, I always had an idea of what I had an idea of how things should run and Mm -hmm. like being focused on the customers and the end result. Right. Because like my thing is, is the reason why we got in business is because like I'm at that point, I'm an electrician, right? Mm-hmm. I went through that in, in like, I came out of school in 99. I did electrical trades until 04, right? I did, I did electrical work 98, 99, all the way to 04. Um, and we got into this business cause we're wiring a ton of houses and these guys stink. Like stuff that they're turning out is just garbage junk. Yeah. And, I remember saying like, we can do this much better and still make a good living at it. And, you know, so that's, that's why I wanted to do it is, you know, it's, it's a, I mean, I guess it's a pride thing. Like you want to do a good job. Yeah. You know, so I couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. And I can, I now know why Clifton brought us together for sure. There's a lot of alignment there because I made the same decision at the end of 22 to separate from it wasn't partners. I mean, one of them was a partner, but it was mainly just leadership, you know, yep. my key players in the company. And, and I walked away from the business altogether. Mm. Very, very similar to what you're saying. I wanted complete autonomy throughout the, not me personally, but our company, complete autonomy from the sale to the uh, customer experience. And they wanted to sub everything out and just rip the highest commission they could, you know, <laughs> so. I mean, it's a fine, it, you walk a fine, toe a fine line mm-hmm. trying to run a business, make decisions that are good for the business, but also make decisions that are that are fair and equitable for your, your customers. I mean, if you don't have customers, you don't have a business, period. Absolutely. Um, and it, it, it still pains me to this day when we get a customer that we can't make happy. And unfortunately, over 20 years, you get, I, I will say you get a little more used to having that happen. Like, you know, you did everything that you could do and they're still not happy. Then there's yeah. probably nothing more you could have done. And then what's really painful is the ones where they weren't happy and you know, there's more you could have done. Those, mm-hmm. those are the ones that suck because like somewhere along the lines, somebody failed. The whole team failed. One person failed. Somebody failed. And it stinks because 
you know, whether it's your fault or not, you know, that person is probably not going to come back to you as a repeat customer, which stinks. Right. It's painful. So um, I kind of wear that, unfortunately, still heavy on the sleeve every mm -hmm. day. You well, know, it's like, the things that we do or try to impact so that doesn't happen or continue to happen. Yeah, at that point, you're just minimizing damage pretty much and yep. hoping you can uh, pull out a three star maybe out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's okay. true. I mean, yep. So your sales process back then when you were starting everything on your own compared to now, have things changed? Are the principles still the same? I would imagine the systems have completely changed. Can you systems, walk us through that journey? Yeah, system has completely changed. I mean, I was the salesperson back then. Um, look, I, I held my own. Um, I used to sell based on information, right? The fact that I had very intricate knowledge of how this goes together. I was a very technical person, right? Yeah. And and too technical a lot of times. Like, you know, you it took me a long time to figure out when people start looking at you and they're looking through you, you've lost them. Like completely lost. So you can feel it too. You can feel yeah. their stare on the wall behind you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it took me a little while to cue in on that. And then when I started selling more based on give them enough information so that they understand, I know exactly what I'm talking about, but not try to dive completely down the rabbit hole. Um, that's when I started selling much better. Um, and being an advocate and, you know, like one of my, one of my, lines that I still use to this day with customers is like, listen, whether we work for you or not, whether we do this for you or not, my job is to give you the best, best opinion and the best information I can possibly give you to make that decision, whether that's us or somebody else. Yeah. And I think that rings true to a lot of people. Like my, my goal is to give you what my best advice is. And if I'm your, if, if we're the company for you, then great. If we're not, then I understand. Mm -hmm. Um, sales process back then, I didn't really have one. It was just <laughs> give them the estimate and hopefully I get the job. And yeah. I was really good at follow-up. Um, I was really good at follow-up back then. Like, um, I, I remember getting told like, I won, Hey, we gave you the job because nobody else would even give us a quote. So like, I remember just, that was the thing is like, I got to turn the quote out. I got to get it done. And I was a, because I was stretched so thin then, like I, I, I was the email quote king. Like I just email it to you. Yeah. I didn't have another way because I couldn't get back out there. I didn't have the time. So yeah. when we changed over to, I think probably six years ago, um, I, I finally found a software that I was really happy with. Uh, we use a company called Leap. Mm -hmm. Um digital contracts that's what i was searching for is digital editable digital contracts that were easy yeah. to do and it just so happened these guys do the full on estimating and um and contract situation it's a it's a lot of setup work but it makes things repeatable and it makes makes you so you can hold hold your salespeople accountable because you know you know how you got to where you got to which is we used to do it on Excel spreadsheets. I'm like, well, how did you come up with this number? And they're like, oh, well, like, I did it on the Excel spreadsheet. I'm like, well, can you send that over to me so I can see it? Yep. You know how hard that is? Mm -hmm. So 
um, getting it into a centralized place where like I can just go pull the estimate up if I don't if I have a question, I can see what somebody did. So yeah. um, and then we're we're actually kind of revamping our sales process right now. Um, we just went on with a company called Engage. Um, they're they're a pretty I mean, it's a pretty cool technology um, where you can you can design a sales process and you can look at um, based on the data points that they they do. You can look at if your salespeople are going through that process, how much time they're spending in each part of it. And you can tell where they're shortcutting it. I love that. Most of the time, that's a manual tracking system. I mean, granted, you know, you can you can disposition along the way, but yep. for the most part, that's a, that's a very manual tracking system. System, how has that been going? Or you're just getting enro enrolled in that? So we're actually building out all the um, sales presentations right now. Mm -hmm. um, our general manager Jordan is is kind of took the lead on that one. Um, okay. He's he's got a much um, I would say a deeper sales background than than I ever did. Like he he was trained as a salesperson mm -hmm. so like, and as a sales manager. So he knows the ins and the outs of of what what and how those guys think on a daily. So he took the lead on on creating the engage presentations. We had a um, we had a just a review call with them yesterday and it what he's got so far is phenomenal. Like I really I'm really looking forward to it. It, it integrates with Leap. So it can all nice. live in one centralized location for those guys. But I'm excited about the actual reporting metric, like to be able to go back to this appointment and look at how this went, especially for like demo no sales, like, hey, what what happened? Oh, well, I can see right here where you spent like 13 minutes on this whole presentation and it should have been 30 or 20, whatever it is. Um, so just just being able to see what happened and try to evaluate and improve based on that is is very exciting. Yeah, I think I've seen this before with a pool installation client of mine. Uh, one of his sales managers that he was bringing on was using the software before. And I remember it was it was a little pricey, but impactful is what he said. I think that. In my opinion, I think anything you're you're going to invest in. Mm -hmm. And that's the way you look at it is for me, it's not something how how much does it cost is like, all right, does the cost does does the end ROI outweigh the cost? Yeah. And in this case, I think it 100% does because it does a lot of things like our salespeople that we have here now are are well trained from a company, a, a much larger company. And I'm fortunate to have those guys. So mm -hmm. like the training, I didn't have to really do so much as far as I mean, they were trained, well trained sales guys. But for new people coming on, having a standardized way to do it is critical to onboarding more people and growing a team if I mean, you can't just, unfortunately, like you, you learn from your mistakes and you just can't have everybody doing their own thing. It it kind of has yeah. to be like, we have to have a way that we do it so that we can train it that way. Yeah, it's one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show. And then with my clients, of course, is like, how do you know what to improve if everybody's doing something different? The data is lying to you if you're having a perception from one salesperson versus another because they're all doing different stuff. So you, the, the data is useless in terms of what works and what doesn't, you know? I think everybody has their own way of selling. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have I have one guy here that runs a 20, 30 minute appointment and is our top producer. <laughs> and I have one guy that runs an hour and a half appointment. And, you know, like that's just that's that's what we have to get kind of to a standard is like. And there's no rhyme. The reason like he, the, the the one guy that runs a 30 minute appointment is just a super likable guy. And I mean, so is the other one. He's a super likable guy. Right. I don't. We haven't figured out what the X factor is with the other one yet. It's just, I mean, I, I it, it could be anything, but that's that's what we got to figure out is we got to tailor it down to where it's repeatable for multiple people. I think there's talent and there's skill, right? Yep. Um, skill can be developed, skill can be scaled and grown and implemented across company. But I'm of the mindset too, talent can too, if you reverse engineer it enough. If you have a mind that can watch a recording or uh, uh, an audio of a salesperson and can reverse engineer it into a process or a system or a strategy, you know? And so I'm just a big proponent of exactly what you're talking about, where, hey, let's figure out what works for everybody. I would, I would, I would, I'm just guessing here. The guy that takes an hour and a half is his um, ticket price higher than the one that takes a shorter amount of time. I know the shorter amount of time sells more. They're about the same. They're about Uh, the same. Dang. Yeah. Last last year, um, when I look at the data last year, the the one that took a half hour appointment, his closing percentage was higher. Yeah, of course. And his ticket price was probably two hundred. His average sale was two hundred bucks less. Okay. Um, than the other guy, uh, but his volume was, his volume was double. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like that all day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, we, like, again, I haven't figured it out other than the fact that he's, you know, he's a likable guy, but getting somebody like that is, is, uh, getting somebody reined in like that to where now I'm, now I'm trying to, it's, it's painful because now I'm trying to make them operate in our CRM like they never have. And yep. I'm trying to make sure they result these people and they do something with these people so that they always end up somewhere. Yeah. And um, so that was that was what, what our meeting was about this morning is like, hey, we're going to walk this through and make sure I built this flow chart that I don't think is complicated at all. And right. You know, but these guys seeing it for the first time or second time, they're like, Oh my God, this is terrible. I'm like, look, man, <laughs> this is easy. You just, you don't need to look at all these. You just figure out where you're like, what situation you're in. And this is what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so like that'll be the next, that'll be the next three or four weeks in, in meetings. Like, and I'm, I'm going back and monitoring appointments every day and trying to coach them through it. Like, Hey, why did you do this? It probably should have been done like this. Why did you do that? Yeah. So eventually the pain will go away. It's just painful right now. Um, I, I've always had a saying that anything you change inside your company, look for about two to three weeks of pain and people being angry about it. And then once they once they see the difference and understand that there's a reason and it's better, mm-hmm. then, it's, then it subsides. The ways that I... Um head off that pain, if you will, are two of the ways that I always tell my clients when they're implementing, especially when they're implementing a new software or process or system. The first one is build it with them versus building it and then showing it to them, you know? And, and this is huge. 
because, and I, and I do this now, like, as I implement sales programs in my clients' businesses, I'll go in and I'll pull, you know, the, the senior guy, the top producer, and maybe the tech savvy guy. They're all on the sales team. One of those is on all of your sales teams, right? Yep. I'll pull them all and I'll workshop a flow chart, like you just said, with them, you know? And what it does, and obviously the owner too, and what it does is it, it creates this holistic dynamic versus a, a one-sided push for this and they become part of it. And now yep. when you deliver the end product, it's something that we came up with and we're all on board with, you know? And then the second thing is, um, like you said, if engage makes sense in terms of ROI, then why would you not do it? You know, if as long as the cost is uh, exceeded by the benefit, right? And same thing with salespeople. You've got to figure out, all right, how, by implementing this software, are we going to close 4% more, 5%, 6%, and then tie it to their personal sales from last year? Yep. And then show them that number, you know what I'm saying? And so those are two ways that I really try to dial in new softwares. A lot of times when we implement them, we're just looking at the benefit to our staff and our admin team and our installers, you know what I'm saying? And that's the driving force why we want to bring in that software. And that could, that's fine. I mean, I'm all about making the people that make the wheels turns jobs easier. Yep. But we've also got to figure out a way to, to <clears throat> give it to our salespeople. So they see the benefit too, you know, I think that's a big part of that. And there's a fine line between like, I don't want my salespeople all honesty. I don't want them spending a ton of time right. doing tasks that aren't revenue generating for the company and for them. Mm-hmm. But there are certain tasks. Like you got to be really careful when you say that, because there are certain tasks that go along with that job that just have to get done either way. Yeah. And, you know, like the one of the guys told me that his old company, that they never made them work inside a CRM ever. Like when they ran an appointment, they would just call in and tell somebody in the office what happened and they would do all the resulting and all that stuff for, for them. And I'm like, well, man, that sounds like you're putting you're putting a ton of work like on somebody else for like these are yeah. your the, like these are people you're trying to help and we're trying to help as a company. So yeah. um, I I always have one of those things where I, when I roll something out like this, this is our engage process, right? We went to a mm-hmm. show 17. And CertainTeed was sponsoring the show, and then they had Engage there as a as a as one of their presenters. Yeah. And those guys actually came. My salespeople came to me and said, "Hey, we ought to look at that. That's really cool." So, like, that's nice. They were they were, yeah. were kind of already bought into it because they're the ones that came and got me, and then I went and sat through the demo. Sweet. So, um, but I always have a thing, a saying like, when you try to do something that's against the grain or against what you've been doing. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of push a little bit and then I let off and then I try to move it a little bit more and I let off. So I never try to just (laughs) push it all at one time because that's going to like break something. Oh yeah. So I, I try to set myself, okay, over the next four to six weeks, I need to do this. And whether it's on purpose or not, like I try to tell myself like, all right, don't push too hard. Cause this is a big change for these guys. They've been doing it this way. And now you're asking them to do it a completely different way. Um, so like, it's just like, a. eventually I know they'll get in the procedure to do it the way that I'm asking. So okay. it's, um, 
I, I just try to put myself in their shoes and be like, man, I've been doing it this way for all this time. Now I got to do it this way. So. So I'm interested in a perspective from you because, you know, I'm entering the coaching space. I've been in consultant for two years now. And yep. um, I was, you know, building sales teams for 13 years before that. And now I'm entering the coaching space. You know, Mike's, me and Mike have had a relationship for three years. And, um, you know, he has proposed the idea before. And, uh, and then last year, he finally reached out and offered it. And I accepted. And, you know, being in the spaces that I am, because I'm in a few masterminds, you know, I have my own coach. Um, you know, and I, and I started that as a business owner myself. What, what are your thoughts on coaches and consultants in general? You know, I'm sure you see a lot of the noise out there and stuff like that. So, you know, I guess the first question would be, how do you avoid the noise? And the second question is, what has coaching done for you? So um, I joined, um, in all transparency, I joined Apex at one point, which is where I met Mike. Um, The literally I joined in January of 21, I think 20. 21 mm-hmm. and um february i was at a I, I went to the first meetup right and mike was there and i watched what level? Uh, I, Friday? I, was in, I was in entrepreneurs oh entrepreneurs okay gotcha yep. and um i watched mike speak on stage for the first time and i don't know you know if it was like whatever he was saying resonated with me because like it was truthful and I could tell that the message that he was putting out there wasn't fake. You know, and I, I, I've just, I've had a good read of character for a long time since I was young on, on most people. Like, you know, I get fooled, like some people fool me, but for the most part, I'm a pretty good judge of character and I can read people. And I just felt like what he was saying was very truthful. And it's exactly what I was looking for at that exact moment in time. And I, re- I literally, when I went back to my hotel room that night, I literally messaged him on Instagram and said, hey, I saw your um, I saw your post. I'd really like to talk to you. Um, we we jumped on, I think, I think literally three or four days later, we jumped on a Zoom call. And I remember his words to me were we, we talked for about a half hour and mm-hmm. he said to me, look, here's how much it costs. I'm going to be your coach. And if you pay me this amount of money, I'm going to change your fucking life. And little did I know, like, that that would 100% be the case. And the issue is you have to have enough um, because the things that we started changing were immediately painful and they felt like they were breaking. (laughs) So you, you like, you have to know that, like, it's good and it's going to be painful. Um, so like we, we, unco- the, the issue is, is we uncovered a lot of things that were problems that like, I didn't even realize that were problems. They were just kind of on cruise control. And like, when I started looking at them, I'm like, holy shit, how come I didn't see, like, how come I didn't see that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I would say from the time that I went on with, with Mike until right now, the pain level has been like, 
extremely painful for like the whole entire time because changing and evolving and trying to do better and changing things that you've done for a certain, like for a long time, a certain way and changing those processes is tough. But like in my mind, looking forward, I'm like, this is a hundred percent worth it. Like no time did I ever think to myself like, shit, this isn't worth it. So like, I would say in coaching in general, if you can afford one, try to have one at whatever level that is, because even in general, it's, it's, I mean, it's just good to have somebody to talk to, like just just walking problems out and like, you know, getting advice on like, Hey, how would you, how should I handle this? Cause like nobody has all the answers. Yeah. And, you know, as many things that I've seen and done in 20 years, I'm going to tell you, there's been some stuff this past two years that I've never seen and never done. And I've had to, you know, like we've had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mike and Mike and Clifton, um, Sam, um, all, all those guys, like, you know, I, I had more interactions, a lot of interaction with Mike. He was my coach for for the better part of the past couple of years. Um, yeah. And I've actually switched over to Clifton because um, I. I like Clifton's energy. I said, Hey Mike, like, is Clifton really that happy of a guy? Dude, it, it, it's crazy. I love it though. Like I need that in my life. (laughs) Like, He's he's our coaching director. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he's like perfect for that position. And I'm like, and I said, you know, so there was something, there was a part of like Clifton that, you know, like I needed to kind of revamp like our sales process and like our customer focus and things like that. And that's Clifton's area of expertise. Right. So I actually asked Mike if I, I said, Hey, you know, don't, I don't want to like lose my spot with you, but like, I really like Clifton. Um, And, and we, we actually did like an experimental program with them um, this year where it was kind of like Nate and Clifton and Mike, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and Dave Owens. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a, like I had different people on our staff dealing with different people and I, I would deal with them too. So oh, it, was okay. pretty, it was pretty nice. It was, it was really, yeah. it was really neat because like then I'm trying to elevate people in my team too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, coaching in general is from what I've seen is a pretty dirty game. Yeah. Because there's a ton of people out there that will take your money and offer no value. Mm-hmm. And I was very, very, very fortunate to the first coach I ever had was probably one, I mean, in my opinion, one of the most honest and caring people that I've probably ever seen on on that space because like he generally cares. I mean, he's telling you the truth. He is that he's, he's, he is that guy, the guy that you see on Instagram and Facebook and, and that that's who you got. He's not a, he's not a fake guy. Um, which I've, I, I like a lot. No, it's, it's, it's a, you're a hundred percent right. I remember after our first few conversations and I had dinner with him and everything, I was like, I asked him, I was like, Hey, uh, I'm a salesman. You know what I mean? I've been training salespeople my whole life. Um, when's this thing going to come down? You know what I mean? And what this thing was, was not a thing at all. It's just who he is. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people can't handle, like I could handle it. You know what I mean? But I knew something was there to where it was like, 
I just, he just doesn't like the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat things and then he doesn't waste his time. So, you know, if he's spending time with you, man, he, he wants to be there. Yep. You know, and that is a superpower in itself. It's an unwavering um, standard, right? Mm -hmm. If, if it's here, like we'll not operate down here, period. It's either going to be here or above that. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's actually really interesting to watch because like a lot of people don't operate like that. I'm, and I'm, I'm guilty of it still to this day. Like, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's like sometimes when there's a, when there's an obstacle in the way, I sometimes don't crash right through it. Right. I, I, Mm -hmm. I, maybe I'll navigate around it. Um, and you know, sometimes that's the best approach in my opinion and then sometimes you know you just got to crash through that thing and and get it over with um which sucks because that's painful too (laughs) in a lot of ways there's two things that you said in this answer that that really stood out to me the first one is you talked a lot more about it being painful and the process and everything than you did about the result i don't even think you really said the result you know which i love because I mean, think about it. If someone's giving a testimony and, and, and we all, we like to reinforce our own decisions. We like to sure. say, oh, because I hired Mike, I'm doing double my business or, or X, Y, and Z or whatever the case is. That way everybody knows that I make smart decisions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you see right. it happen all the time. And, and especially when you know the person and you're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like, Or, you know, hey, that's because it went from, 19 to 21 everybody doubled their business you know what i mean like come on and so um it was i i love that you said that though because it, it that's where it real allowed, change happens is in that pain well and, it is and, it, it allowed me and, to understand too what i'm looking for in other leaders that i need to surround me with and it allowed me to say hey i I was really bad at not delegating and like, screw it. I'll just do it myself. And there, there's still things that I am like that with. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am, I am much better at delegating certain things now because I know that the, my time spent on it is not the, there's, there's no ROI in that. And I have somebody else that I can give that to. And that's one thing that they really helped me with. Um, Mike specifically, and and just knowing the qualities of other leaders that we need to bring in and put in place um, was a huge was a huge help. Or I probably you know I probably wouldn't have done it. Well, and I think my goal as a coach is going to be for my client to walk in their house at five thirty. And be able to leave the business at the office, be able to go to more baseball games, be able to be more present with their wife and have a more engaging relationship. And if, if it's their goal to, to have a more engaging relationship with God, you know, and while the money part is important and the growth part, all that is important. You're going to reach a certain point where you can only strong arm it for so long. So you're going to have to be growing your people 
But in doing that, you've got to give them the rope. You know what I'm saying? You got to give them the space to perform. And so that means, you know, for me, it was going from 2014, 60, 70 hours to 2017, 15 hours a week. My business was cut in half, but I was making the same profit. It's not wrong with that. Exactly. And so to me, that would be, I, I would, I would love that so much more than the business owner that's doing, you know, working 60 hours a week, continuing to work 60 hours a week, but his business double, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, and I'm learning, evolving and learning every day. And, you know, one of the things that I was highly driven, driven on right in 2020, 21, 22, 23 is revenue. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have to have, if you want to grow and you want to grow your revenue, great. Right. But my advice to every single business owner is, don't sacrifice the margin at what you're doing it at. Like make sure you're doing it for the right margins to support the company that you're building. Because right now I would take the, Hey, would you rather do $15 million at the wrong margin? Or would you rather do 10 million at the right margin? And I'm going to say, I'd rather do 10 million at the right margin every day of the week. And you, sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees if that makes sense. Um, Cause everybody's like a lot of people are driven on that revenue number. Like yeah, yeah. I, I want to be driven on profit dollar number. Um, and, you know, something interesting you said about time and how much time you're working. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what I've seen is, is that there'll be ebbs and flows in your business yeah. where when it needs you, you better be prepared to put it in. Mm-hmm. And when it when it gives to you, you take it. Um, you take the time that it gives to you when when you can. Um, the mistake I made is that sometimes the time that you think it gave you is you might have took too much and you didn't pay attention <laughs> to something. I've done it, that. Yeah. And then you're like, damn it. Like. I was doing this while I wasn't paying attention to this. And, you know, like I wear that, I wear that pretty heavy um, because like if there's a failure, right. I, I mean, my GM and I, Jordan talk about it every day. And if somebody fails on the team or like we fail as a team. So like there's only one dude sitting at the top of this, the table or the head of the table. And that's me. So like, if we fail, like it comes back to me somewhere. Um, and I got to make a change and say, all right, look, guys, we we can't do this like this. We got to do it like this. And this is why. Um, and I feel like our leadership team really, really, really embraces that. Like sometimes through like people not inside that team, like like our installers or like our office personnel, it's difficult and painful. And we get a lot of pushback on some things. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like we know as a leadership group why we're doing this, and this is the best move for the company, the customers, and the employees. If if you know, because like if I don't have good employees and good customers, like we don't have a business. Period. So, um, that's that's my thought and focus. Really, is like just improving the process and um, giving the business what it needs when it asks, 
Um, and right now, we're in a, I mean, we're in a market where it is a tough, tough, tough market right now. I, we went from, I mean, we went from like guys just writing business every day of the week because it was there yeah. to like, we're going to work for it now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the climate has changed. So it's, it, you know, sometimes what I call is you got buckle the chin strap, put the helmet on, buckle the chin strap. It's time to work. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm, you know, I was, I was literally in my office yesterday morning at, at seven 30 and I left there last night at 10 45 and not what I wanted to do. Yeah. But it's, it, it required that of me yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully like, you know, I have a scheduled day off on Friday. So like, we'll see, but no, I love it. I mean, you know, and, and, and just to illustrate your point a little more and then lead into the next question. Um, I started at 630 in the morning yesterday. I had a, a meeting to get ready for at eight and then uh, worked all day until about 415. Got my boys ready for baseball tryouts. And then my in my infinite wisdom, volunteered to coach <laughs> and then came back, put them to bed and had, a, had another couple of calls because I coached some salespeople directly. Yep. And um, and then and then wrapped it all up. But sometimes it, it's just like that, you know, but again, to your point and to what you said, you know, like sometimes you just have to put in that work. But when you do put in that work, it's got to be communicated to the people that matter most. So they know what's going on and they're part of the solution versus just being in the dark and wondering why you're not showing up. You know what I mean? That's so that is one thing that I continually have to improve on because I will tell you, I am the worst person at that. Like mm-hmm. when the, when the company is like, for me, this company is, is me. Right. When people say the name, like they say, Jason, for most people that know me. And so, like, I look at that, like when it needs blood, I got to give it blood. And but I also have to you know, like you're right. You have to communicate that like, hey, look, I'm not going to be I'm going to be late. Like, I've got to get this stuff done. I have a deadline or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's something going on and I got to get this done. The, the worst thing I would tell you is to do what I did for years and just not communicate and just say, I'm going to be late and not, not explain and, and have them bought into that. I couldn't agree more. Yep. Man, Jason, this has been a fantastic episode. Uh, if I didn't have a 1030 right now, I would yeah, keep man. this rolling. It's been awesome, man. But thank you so much for coming on, just pouring into our listeners and uh, I couldn't have loved the conversation more. It was amazing. Thank you so Me much. Too. It was awesome. Awesome meeting you. It's the first time we've ever met. And yeah. Uh, and I'm glad you had me on. It was, it was my pleasure. I, I, uh, like I said, my second podcast ever. And I, uh, I, I, I love it. So it's, it's great. I mean, I, at some point I'd like to give back to 20 years of knowledge. Like if I can help somebody not step in the same pile of crap that I stepped in a couple of times, like I'm, I'm always glad to do so. Sounds like a legacy to me, brother. Thanks again. All right, thank you.